Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am Doug Sweeney here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And this week, we begin a new three-part series featuring Beeson faculty colleagues whose friendships with each other have enriched their teaching and writing across disciplinary lines. We'll be asking these pairs about their friendships and the ways in which their friendships enrich their lives personally and professionally. The faculty pair we're with today have been friends for almost 20 years and have often been found in each other's offices or even in the hallways here discussing scripture and theology. We're looking forward to giving you an inside look into their friendship and some of those conversations. Kristen, will you please introduce today's guests and get our conversation started? Thank you, Doug, and welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am excited about today's show. And um, and I'm excited to introduce our guest. We have Dr. Paul House and Dr. Frank Thielman on the show. Dr. Paul House is Professor of Divinity at Beeson, where he teaches Old Testament. He is the author of many well-known textbooks and commentaries, including Old Testament Survey and Old Testament Theology, and commentaries on the books of Isaiah, Daniel, and First and Second Kings. And Dr. Frank Thielman is also Professor of Divinity at Beeson, where he teaches New Testament. And Dr. Thielman is one of our longest standing faculty members, having joined in 1989. And like Dr. House, he too is the author of many well-known textbooks and commentaries, including Theology of the New Testament, Romans, Ephesians, and Philippians. Both Dr. House and Dr. Thielman served together on the Oversight Committee of the English Standard Version, which they may discuss today on the show. So welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Good to be here. We want to begin by asking a very simple but important question. How did you become friends? Dr. House, why don't we start with you? I think Frank and I agree that uh, this began, uh, I looked this date up, Frank, I don't have total recall, uh, April 24th to 27th, 2003. Uh, Frank came and stayed at our home in Wheaton, and we were all to, we were together with other Old New Testament theologians to uh, give papers to one another and work on a project that uh, was published later. But Frank stayed in our it was cold that week, as I recall, Frank, and stayed in our basement uh, bedroom. And uh, seems like you, you liked our coffee, didn't you, Frank? That that was the first step to friendship. I knew Paul and I were going to be friends when. Uh... Paul and Heather served me this amazing cup of coffee that they had this machine that ground the coffee beans and then brewed the coffee. I just thought that was the most amazing machine I had ever seen. And wow, what a cup of coffee. I still remember it. And uh, I knew we were going to be fast friends after that. So, yeah, you know, that's really one of the things I appreciate most about Paul is he is so hospitable not just to me, but to lots of people. I mean, often I'll be talking to Paul and he'll just, you know, it will just turn out somebody staying in their home that, uh, that they've invited to be there. And uh, he and Heather just have this very open home 
And uh, he's just a very hospitable person, so he's, he's an easy person to be friends with. Tell us a little bit, guys, about some of the projects that you've worked on together and uh, maybe even say a word about how your partnership in those projects has made the projects better than they would have been otherwise. Frank, would you mind going first on this one? Well, I, I think that first project that Paul mentioned where we um, really became friends, I mean, I had known about Paul's work before that time and really appreciated his Old Testament theology, but this was a collaboration on a little volume called Central Themes in Biblical Theology. Uh, where a group of us met together and uh, under the leadership of Paul in the Old Testament and Scott Haithman in the New Testament. And Scott and Paul have been friends for decades. And um, so we met together uh, with a group of people and uh, read essays by each other, had a wonderful time of discussion. Uh, I remember that as a very uh, enjoyable and collegial uh, opportunity for engagement, and that was at Wheaton College. And so we collaborated together on that. That became a book, and I really enjoyed that collaboration. I learned a lot from it. I think my essay was on the atonement, and uh, I really enjoyed putting that together. Probably Paul and I have collaborated most on the things having to do with the English Standard Version. We're both on the Translation Oversight Committee. Paul's really the moderator of that committee when it meets. So we've collaborated on that work for a number of years now. And uh, that's something Paul really invited me to do. And uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed collaborating with him and the others on that committee. It's been a very uh, edifying and uh, wonderful experience. And then we've collaborated on the ESV Concise Study Bible that Paul's working on right now. Uh, as well. And there are probably other things that I'm just not remembering right now, Paul. Can you remember some? No, I think that I think that's close to it. And um, I just reflect when we first met, that group met out of friendship. S Scott Hafe and I, as he said, have been friends a long time. And we, we wanted to actually have a personal time of scholarship with other scholars. So Frank will probably help me remember these, but if, in the Old Testament, uh, Elmer Martin's mm -hmm. uh, Outstanding Mennonite Old Testament theologian, Steve Dempster, Baptist, uh, Unity of the Bible person. I'm trying to think. We had um, Roy Champa was yes. in that volume, wasn't he? And so the point was we we met, ate with one another, uh, talked with one another, read the papers. We met once in Wheaton and once in Birmingham. Right. So we gathered around the table. And so some of the best scholarly endeavors I've ever had, which were just around friendship. And Frank was one of those friends. And by the time we met in Birmingham, uh, his his most important collaboration was in helping me come to Beeson. And so we're grateful, grateful for that. But we, we have learned a lot in the ESV. Um, and I think a lot of our collaboration probably won't show up because it came in conversations in the offices. So I, I, I note Frank's in, influence on some of those things. And uh, for instance, my Isaiah commentary, we we talked over several times the, the passages uh, in Paul where he cites Isaiah. So I'm not sure how that shows up in the box score, but that's, that's been part of the collaboration. Absolutely. Invaluable, actually, to me. Well, that's a nice segue into my question. Uh, 
you know, my office for you listeners is right across the hall from Dr. House's. And prior to COVID, um, I would hear Dr. Thielman in Dr. House's office. Now, I don't know what they were talking about, but I know that they were talking about scripture, most likely, and um, learning from one another, as you've already mentioned, Dr. House. So can each of you reflect for a moment on something you have learned from each other about scripture and how has the other scholarship um, impacted and strengthened your own scholarship? And Dr. House, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I'll give one concrete example. Uh, A lot of times uh, it's general. So I'll go into Frank's office and say, if I understand Isaiah right, I think is what Paul's doing with it. And Frank will tell me if that's a crazy notion he also, he'll often get out a, a, a Greek text and just walk through it. But a concrete example, I think it's when I was writing the book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Frank, and we were talking about how some people used uh, the epistles as evidence for distance learning. And you said, well, I don't think those people know how epistles were written and read and sent. And, you know, they, he said, you know, they would send this by trusted people who would be there when they opened it up and when they read it and who could answer any questions. I said, well, what's your resource for that? And Frank eventually found on his shelf the book. I forget the author now, Frank. Once I quote something, I know where to find it, but I, I don't remember. But they, that was just, that went straight into the work and in a couple of other articles that I've worked on. This This whole issue of how Frank's very good with the historical nature of things as real history and real language, not just somebody's uh, reconstructed history. So he got that book down. He helped me, and that's that's been that stuck with me. So that's that's a concrete example. Well, thanks, Paul. That's really kind of you to say that. I'm so glad that was helpful. I can think of so many times when Paul's insight into the Old Testament generally, and especially into Isaiah, have been helpful to me in my own work on Romans and working on a Romans commentary, but also just in teaching. And um, I've learned so much about Isaiah from Paul over the years. I remember when he first came to Beeson, was that 13, 14, 15 years ago, Paul, how? Whatever 2004 was. Yeah, 2016, maybe 16 years ago. But I can remember when Paul first came as associate dean, he was working on that commentary, I believe. Weren't you working on it from? Well, if you're going to tell the whole world how long it took me to do that, go ahead. But yeah, (laughs) that's that's right. No money changed hands, so it went on slowly, yeah. (laughs) It it is really a good work because uh, Paul just soaked in it for years, and he would come down the hall to my office frequently and uh, talk with me about where he was in the commentary and what he was working on, and I just feel like I got this education in Isaiah over the course of many years, and um, it has been so helpful. And then when the commentary actually came out, this wonderful two-volume commentary, uh, I immediately got, I mean, I just uh, have grown in my appreciation of Isaiah and what a wonderful book it is. And of course, it was really important to Paul. Paul quotes Isaiah next to the Psalms. He quotes Isaiah more than any other Old Testament book. And he's Paul was steeped in its theology, Paul the Apostle. So it was so fun to learn about Isaiah from Paul House, my friend, and then then eventually to have this wonderful two-volume commentary, which 
I used extensively in a little book that uh, I wrote about a year and a half ago that's coming out in January. Uh, I mean, I just was sitting there with Paul's commentary at my side as I was writing this little book on the new creation. It was so helpful. And uh, it's it, Paul's all through, just footnoted over and over and again, again there. And uh, part of that's the commentary, part of that's just learning about Isaiah from Paul because Paul is just a master teacher. He teaches so well. His students really learn well from him. But Paul also has this gift of teaching teachers how to teach. And so when he was an associate dean here at Beeson, he taught a lot of us how we could teach better. And that was such a gift. And uh, he just loves to teach. He loves the discipline of teaching. And, um, and he's taught me how to teach so much better. I, I'm such a better teacher because of Paul's uh, tutelage in that regard, particularly with regard to uh, grading papers. Paul taught me how to, uh, how to grade, <laughs> grade papers. And uh, what did he teach you? Well, he taught me that I needed to grade them for one thing. <laughs> That's good. He, he taught me I really needed to assign lots of writing to students and go through the real discipline of reading their writing carefully and making comments and helping them to be better writers because if they're better writers, they're better thinkers and uh, they engage and interact with the material better. And uh, I mean, I learned that from Paul and Paul's taught that to a number of other people too. Well, both of us have English lit backgrounds and writing backgrounds that I think feed into that. I want to add, I appreciate what Frank said. I want to add one other thing and that simply he was, Toward the end of the Isaiah writing, uh, Frank was working on Romans while I was working on Isaiah. And in part, it just helped to know that he was down there working. <laughs> it Part of it was, by example, and we're, we're engaged in the same kind of effort, uh, both of us knowing that if anything's worth writing about Romans and Isaiah, it, they are. And so part of it was just just uh, knowing that we we're both working on something meaningful at the same time was, was helpful. Well, we wanted to ask you about your ministry to students and whether your friendship, you think, has made a difference in the way you teach. Obviously, Frank's already spoken to that a little bit, so maybe we should ask Paul about this. But um, real honestly, Paul, has Frank taught you anything about teaching, or has your friendship affected the way you serve students in the classroom? I, I can say from lots of conversations I've had with students here at Beeson, even just in the year and a half since I moved here, the two of you are clearly two of their favorite professors in the whole Divinity School. Does the friendship help? Has there been some cross-pollination that, that you'd say honestly affected what you do in the classroom? Uh, and again, Frank's touched on this already, so maybe, Paul, you want to say anything about that? Well, I don't know. I think Frank and I have similar respect for students. And by that, I mean, we, we respect them enough to think they can and should do good work. One of the things I've learned from Frank is um, he always has in mind this model that he wants the students to reach. Uh, and that model really is his dad, uh, Calvin Thielman, who is um, one of the reasons that Frank's been to Lausanne, all these famous meetings, because his dad was Billy Graham's family pastor, and he was, Calvin Thielman knew not just the Grahams, but he knew Lyndon Johnson, all sorts of things, since it's election day, we can say that. 
But Frank remembers him not for Elskaggs and not just for being his dad, but for being a faithful reader of the Greek New Testament day by day by day and a careful expository preacher day in and day out. So one of the things that Frank's helped me is to say, who, what would be your end goal? What are you trying to do with these people? What do you foresee? So that, that was helpful. Frank's also more patient than I am, quite a bit more patient. He, he comes across earnest because he is, honest because he is, and I think um, that's helped me to be patient with, with students. But you don't want to mistake Frank's patience for not wanting, not having a high standard. And I think the students figure that out. So, yes, I, th- I think I've learned more about a model and a goal and, and treating people as kindly as you can. Well, and uh, I've just learned so much from Paul, both just Paul's example of being a good friend and being hospitable to students. Uh, Paul genuinely likes his students, and that's just such a good example. You know, we need to, we need to care for our students as, as people. I think Paul really does that, and I think he's taught me to value that. One thing, just in terms of uh, subject matter and the emphases that we um, have in our teaching, is that Paul has really taught me the importance when teaching scripture of being sure that our students understand the importance of expository preaching, both uh, defining it carefully as the clear explanation of the biblical text in the way the authors present it, and then urging our students to preach in that way. And um, I really learned that from Paul. I mean, Paul came here with those convictions. I sort of had inherited that from my father and kind of had an idea that that's what students ought to do when Paul came. But uh, when, when Paul came to Beeson, the light bulb really went on for me that I just really needed to methodologically double down on what it means to preach expositorily and help my students learn what it means to move from the biblical text in the original language to a clear sermon on that text. And I just really credit Paul with that and appreciate it very much. It's been helpful in my own life and in my own preaching, and I hope that's been communicated to students as well. So uh, thanks, Paul, (laughs) for doing that. Thank you both. You know, at Beeson, uh, we emphasize the importance of community as part of that theological formation. And it's not just something that we want our students to practice, but it is something um, among our faculty that's important among our faculty as well. And so can you share some examples about how your friendship has gone beyond the walls of Beeson? And um, perhaps you can share ways that um, each other has ministered uh, to you personally. Um, You can get as personal as you want to here, but uh, we would love to just hear about how your friendship has gone beyond the teaching, the writing, the um, in the offices, conversations, and, and really beyond, beyond that to uh, uh, having a personal relationship. Uh, Dr. Thilman, do you want to begin this time? Yes, I appreciate your asking that question. Um, you know, Paul's a really good friend in the sense that he'll do anything for you. Uh, if he's your friend, he's going to 
take good care of you and make sure you're taken care of. And um, I learned that early on about Paul, um, that uh, our friendship was one that, you know, if I had car trouble, he was willing to come and help me out and make sure I got my car fixed. And um, so, uh, you know, I've, I think I've learned a lot about what it means to be a good friend from Paul. He is just that kind of person. But, you know, we've done all kinds of things together. We've had meals together. My wife, Abby, and Paul's wife, Heather, uh, like one another, and they're both very hospitable people. So that's been fun uh, that all of us, all four of us have gotten together. We've shared some really memorable experiences, especially on the Translation Oversight Committee, which has met twice in Cambridge, England. And um, so those are just wonderful memories of being together in, in Cambridge. And, you know, a lot of our memories together, I think, and I'm so eager to get back to this when COVID is done, Paul, is just having meals together. <laughs> in each other's homes, but sometimes in a local restaurant, just meeting. And uh, I remember one time in particular, we were eating at a local restaurant and um, Grant Taylor, our associate dean, and his wife came by and just kind of sat down with us. And we just had the best time just talking about all kinds of things. So uh, yeah, I have lots of wonderful outside the door outside the walls of Beeson memories with Paul and Heather, including uh, when Paul spent the night at our house during the snow apocalypse of uh, whenever that was several years ago. <laughs> and Abby was stranded somewhere and Paul couldn't get home. And we walked from Beeson to our home in Homewood and sat here and watched the news and uh, watched the apocalypse unfold. And then, uh, all spent the night here, so yeah. Uh, I think I spent two nights, but I, I appreciate it very much. And and our job as older members of the faculty are are to tell embarrassing stories. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Day it started snowing. Timothy George, uh, it was a, some sort of convocation, and he says, uh, "Well, we're about to go into the convocation. Probably when we come out, everything will be canceled, but we're going to go ahead anyway." And he was correct. We got out and everything was canceled. I called three motels, couldn't get anything. I knew I wasn't uh, getting home. Heather was already stranded near Alan and Jan Ross's home, and Jan took Heather in uh, for the night. It was early. Frank said, well, do you want to come home with us? I said, yep, I quit. We're just going. Uh, we walked We walked home. My, my main job was to keep Frank from, he kept, because Abby was stuck on 280. 280, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get her daughter home from Briarwood School. And they were going up and down 280, filling up with gas when they were running out and trying to get up, you know. And, and Frank says, well, I'm, he got his shoes. He was going to go march out there. I said, Frank, what are you going to do if you get there? <laughs> you know, so my main job is to keep Frank from marching out and freezing to death during the snow. But yeah, we just sit there, sat there and waited until uh, Frank was liberated when one of our students with a four-wheel drive came and took me away. Yeah, I, I remember it well. I cannot remember what we had for dinner that night. I, I hate to think of what it was I must have pulled out of the refrigerator, but it wasn't nearly as good as anything Abby or Heather would have cooked. Well, I think that's right. Um, <laughs> I, also, I would also say every time we prayed together, we haven't done as much. When I first came to Beeson, yes. uh, we, we prayed together. We prayed for our children together. 
Uh, we, I think at the time there was an emphasis on, on faculty and staff uh, getting together to pray, and it was one of the most momentous times when Ken Matthews and Frank and I were praying, and we asked Frank what his prayer request were. He was just worried he wasn't a good father. <laughs> and Ken Matthews just snorted and said, Oh, Frank, do your kids speak to you? He said, Yes. He said, Then you're a good parent. <laughs> so, yeah, Ken wasn't even going to pray for Frank to be a better parent. He just thought that was nonsense, uh, that Frank was worried about it. So, But I think it's that kind of thing. You, you pray for one another. You, you care about one another. And it is nice. It is nice to know the spouses. I know that isn't always possible. But part of it is just, again, uh, we actually spend some time at work, which is a chance to see each other. Yes, that's good. And I just, uh, Paul, I, I would just want to say how much I appreciate your friendship. And COVID has kept us from having our yeah, frequent office space visits. And that's one of the things I miss most. And uh, I'm looking forward to the time when we'll renew those. It's, it's a real loss because um, Abby, Frank's wife, she's at risk because of respiratory things. And then as it turns out, my, my Heather's had to spend about 100 days this year helping her mother who has bone marrow cancer. And so she's, we're, we've heard of second degree separation in theological uh, things. This is, uh, we have it for COVID. So no, we've had to be ultra careful. Uh, and it is a loss. I don't, I, don't, I don't see any reason not to say that, that not being able to be together is, um, is a loss. Part of what we want to do with this little series is emphasize the importance of friendship to people who are in ministry. And we're thinking not just about professors, but about pastors, maybe especially as well. I think we have more pastors who listen to our podcast than we have professors. Either one of you want to speak to that a little bit. I mean, being a professor can be a lonely job if you let it. It can be isolating. You're somebody who's preparing to teach or preach or you're writing books quite a bit. A lot of that is done by oneself in the study. And being a pastor can be a lonely job as well. Paul, Frank, would you like to say anything to those who are listening just from your experience as friends uh, about the importance of friendship? Well, I, I would. In several years ago, and I think Beeson did, did a piece of it, I, I, I did a talk and an article called Investing in the Ruins, which was about Jeremiah and Baruch's friendship. I can honestly say that when I went to seminary, for all of you who are at that stage some of you heard me say this what did i what did i get most from my seminary and this was without knocking anything um hebrew and lifelong friends were the two two things that come to mind uh people who who uh, i haven't talked to this week but that have been my friends for 40 years now the kind of people who care about you and come and so I kind of stumbled into that. So I tell people to do that on purpose. This what the mentoring groups we have, for instance, I think it's more important they get to know one another than to get to know me because I now have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. Some of them could last 60 years if they'll be friends. You're going to need that. And I would say to, to, to pastors, um, don't fall into the trap of being a, a, a lone wolf. Um, you're going to need people and don't let those friends get away. And so once I understood that, once you have good friends, you need to maintain that friendship. We have, we have more ways and cheaper ways to stay in touch today than we've ever had. 
So to that extent, I'm, I'm appreciative of the technology available to us. The time will come when we will not be able to make new friends as fast as our old friends are dying. So what I, <laughs> I would encourage you to, to be a good friend and to, to focus on it. Your, your scholarship, a lot of it has to be done alone and in the quiet. Same thing with pastoral work. Uh, so all, all the more to have people interceding and encouraging you. Sometimes it's just getting a good phone call or just a, a short message of encouragement. But a lot of times it's hearing the other person out. I think those are really wise words. And I would just, I, I just agree with all of them. Uh, it's so important to have good friends that will, you know, I think hold us accountable to our commitment to the Lord and, are honest with us and help us in an encouraging way to, to stay faithful. And, uh, you know, I think about the Apostle Paul and the number of co-workers he had, Timothy and Priscilla and Aquila. You know, I mean, it, Philippians 4, Euodia and Syntyche, two women that he says, I strove, they have striven together with me, you know, in, in the gospel. And uh, he just... He had all of these friends that held him accountable and helped him. And, um, you know, if the Apostle Paul needed that, surely we do. So um, I, I think Paul's exactly right. The developing of friendships in seminary and further on into ministry are just really, really, these friendships are very important. They're really important for any Christian, any believer, uh, lay or clergy, uh, needs we all need good Christian friends that know us well and edify us and help us to grow in the faith. And Paul has certainly done that for me, Heather, too. My friend Jay Kessler, who was president of Taylor University, said he'd spent his whole life trying to find make six friends <laughs> uh, to to hold the handle of his coffin and not look at their watches during his funeral. So I think that's... <laughs> I think Frank might be one of those people if he loses his watch, but I think it's good to have those kind of friends. Well, Paul, I hope I'll go before you do, but uh, if that's not the case, uh, uh, that's the kind of friend I want to be to you. I appreciate your friendship very much. Well, thank you, Frank and Paul, very much for being with us here today. Uh, I'm so glad that you two had developed such a close friendship and that your friendship has made such a positive difference, not just in your own lives, but in the lives of so many other people, so many of our students here at Beeson Divinity School. You have been listening to Paul House, Professor of Divinity, Teacher of Old Testament here at Beeson, and Dr. Frank Thielman, Professor of Divinity, Teacher of New Testament here at Beeson Divinity School. We are very grateful to them for helping us start this series on the importance of friendship in life and ministry, and we're grateful to all of you friends who are listening to us. We love you. We thank you for your prayers. Please keep praying for Beast Divinity School and all the friendships our students are making here, uh, even this semester. Goodbye for now. been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.